Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. This is our sixth beatitude, and it is hands down the hardest. I think it takes decades to understand the depth of this beatitude, and I think it takes even longer to obtain its truth. Why? Because we sin. I am a sinner. You are a sinner. We sin. We fall short. We're not pure in heart. We abandon the pure path that the heart wants, and we do it out of either ignorance or convenience or a need for secrecy or even hypocrisy. We are so damaged as human beings that finding a way forward on our own, it is almost impossible. And this is why we need a Savior, because we're human. We're not God. So maybe you shouldn't beat yourself up for not being able to play the role of God. Nobody expects you to be perfect. But you know the opposite is also true. Nobody expects you to be intentionally bad either. Although there was some question about this in the early church in the New Testament. In Romans chapter 6, the church poses a question to Paul. Should we continue in sin so grace may abound? That is an awesome question. And one in which you can tell the Roman church was trying to get around a loophole. Should we continue our lifestyle of destruction and corruption so that the grace bestowed upon us from God will be even greater? I mean, think about it. I mean, it's kind of hilarious if you think about it. I will sin so good that when Jesus comes to redeem me, it will make Jesus look even more powerful because I'm such a good sinner. I will continue in my sin so the grace that follows will abound. Well, Paul does have a response to such a question. If kids weren't in the room, I would tell you exactly the way, Paul, you can interpret it. We'll just say it this way. Heck no! No! What in the world? You should never continue in sin so grace may abound. You should never think your sin will help you bring closer to God. What in the world? Blessed are the pure in heart. Not blessed are the defiled hearts. Your sin pushes you and others further from God, not towards God. It distances you from the divine. It's purity in heart that brings you back. It's living purely that helps you see God. And it may be helpful to know that purity here doesn't have a toxic notion like it does today. It's not a transactional analysis here. It's not tied to our current understanding of what we call purity culture. Purity here for Jesus is childlike innocence. Blessed are those who carry a childlike faith, for they see God. And this is an incredibly important point. We are born into a sinful world and we're somewhat destined to become sinners. That is true. But we don't start that way. Instead, at the beginning, we are fully innocent, fully integrated into what scholars call our soul child. If you imagine a picture of a baby, 
I would argue what you're seeing is their essence. Their soul child is present most clearly when they're an infant. It's their most holy state. It's the place that exudes pure essence and they understand somehow on a cellular level that they're made in the image and likeness of God and they reflect it. And it just so happens that all of us are closest to God when we're a child. And I'm not necessarily talking about in just as a baby. I'm talking about when you look into a baby's eyes, when you see a baby smile. That's what pure in heart looks like. I mean, think about it like this. Children are unhinged in so many wonderful ways. They are unhinged in righteousness. They're unhinged with joy and with love. Children show us what that raw human and divine encounter can look like because they carry with them this unconditioned soul. I'm mesmerized by the innocence that we see in babies. They are the epitome of pure in heart. I mean, think about it like this. Children are pre-verbal, yet they somehow understand at a cellular level what holy love looks like. I think it's because they so easily understand the language of God with their senses. They understand safety when their parents hold them in the human touch. They understand love when they look into their mother's eyes when nursing. I think about a loved child, minus their fear of probably either falling or loud noises or a stranger getting way too close to their face. There is no fear in a baby. They're unhinged, free, unconditioned. They give love and receive love and they live out of their soul because they are purely connected to God. Kids are unconditioned, sin-free, pure innocence. They're perfect, joyful, hopeful, because they're pure in heart. And I think they can see God better than any of us. And once upon a time, you could too. And then sin took over your life. Which is why I think this beatitude is so important. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. It really feels like Jesus is blessing the inner innocence here. A childlike wonder that keeps us open to the presence of God around us. It's through the eyes of the innocent. With childlike wonder, we begin to see God in the world. And this is who Jesus is blessing on the mountainside. This is who sees God that day. It's not because they're awarded something that the other people who are present don't get. The pure in heart, they're not held to a higher level or afforded something that others can't see. It's not like they're the only ones who can see God. It's that they're the only ones who can still see God. Remember, the Beatitudes are not imperative statements. They're declarative statements. 
Blessed are the pure in heart, for they can still see God. And who is Jesus declaring as the pure in heart? It's the ones who are still tethered to their innocence, to their soul. So by now, you may be wondering, okay, so we're supposed to live out of our soul with this innocence of a child. Got it. But what about all of us that abandoned that years ago? What about all of us who don't live innocently? What about us sinners? There's still a way for you too. The answer is inner peace. And I'm not talking about, I'm talking about building a life pattern that feels comfortable in your own skin, where you aren't battling constantly in your own mind or your ego. I'm not necessarily talking about doing yoga every morning, although you can. And that is a great place to start to develop the capacity for inner peace. What I'm talking about is an awareness, a stillness, a rootedness that believes I really am a child of God. I am God's beloved. That's where we have to get. For those of us who haven't, or can't tap into a childlike faith, then we have to do the hard work of developing the capacity for inner peace. So maybe you should start with yoga. It's a great place to start. Or just begin an active ritual prayer life. Go for a walk outside and experience the depth and beauty of creation. Whatever it is in your life that stills your soul, go and do that. Get you into your body. Whatever allows you to feel at a cellular level, whatever can slow your mind and it brings you to the present moment, do that. Buddhists do this so well, especially Zen master Thich Nhat Hanh. For those who may not know that name, he was a Vietnamese monk who settled in France he settled in the 60s and started this intentional community and retreat center called Plum Village. He is one of the most prolific authors and Buddhists of our time, one of the most important people on planet Earth. He has authored over a hundred books that have sold millions and millions of copies across almost every language worldwide. He is arguably the most pure in heart adult that lives today. One of my favorite quotes by him is this. Live your daily life in a way that you never lose yourself. And you do that by cultivating an inner spiritual life. This reminds me of a confrontation that happens between Jesus and the Pharisees in Mark chapter 7. It's an early confrontation, one of his first with the Pharisees, in which Jesus gets into it with them about what is deemed clean and what is unclean. We're told that the Pharisees and the scribes, they attack Jesus because all of Jesus' disciples are eating with unclean hands. They're just eating dinner and they haven't washed their hands. By the way, the Pharisees were the group who everyone knew they had access and could see God. They understood purity better than anyone. 
at least they were supposed to. Think about that in light of our beatitude. They should have been the picture-perfect representation of what pure in heart looked like. They should have been the ones who show us all how we can see God. But they don't, and they're not. Back to Mark 7. Jesus reacts to the Pharisees, and he criticizes them by calling all of them, You hypocrites! You honor God with your lips, but your hearts are the ones who are furthest from God. I mean, Jesus just says it. You're the people who actually can't see God. You should be able to, but you can't. Because your actions don't merit seeing God. Your heart isn't pure. And then Jesus summons a crowd to come around him. And then he declares this. Nothing that enters you from the outside can defile you. But the things that come up from within and come out, that's what defiles you. This is an absolutely blistering critique from Jesus to the Pharisees. And I can't find another scripture passage that matters more to our beatitude today. To be pure in heart, you must cultivate an inner spiritual life, period. It's not what comes from the outside in that defiles you. It's what comes from the inside out. And if your inner life isn't cultivated, then what comes out of you is pure evil. It is unchastity and theft and murder and adultery and greed and malice and deceit and licentiousness and envy, blasphemy, arrogance, folly. All of these evils come from within. And they defile you. And Jesus knows this. That's why he says to the Pharisees, Stop worrying about whether my disciples wash their hands before they eat dinner. Worry about the things in your own heart. Because you're about to lose yourself. The same is true for us. We must build an inner spiritual life that has the ability to conjure up kindness Compassion, nonviolence, justice, mercy, peace, and joy. These things are birthed from a heart that is pure. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. The last thing I'll say about this beatitude is that for Jesus, and honestly all of the Old Testament prophets for that matter, the heart was everything. It was a sign of true holiness. It wasn't about robes or appearance or liturgical obligations. There was something about the heart. That's one of his biggest critiques of the Pharisees. They were holy in appearance, but they lacked an inner life. A true spiritual life is the daily, ongoing exercise of the heart. If we want our heart to work and we don't want it to harden or die, then we have to work it. We have to stretch it. We must become present within it, listen to it, and open its, itself up further so it can hold more goodness, more mercy, more kindness and love. 
And in so doing, we open ourselves up for more of Christ to live more fully in our hearts. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. This inward journey of peace, it leads to an outward seeing of God. And not just in some things, but you begin to see God in everything, at all times, in everyone. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God in others. Like I said, this beatitude is hands down the hardest because it takes decades to mine its depths. It takes even longer to obtain. But we have to try if we want to see God.